Man, listen. I just listened to this last podcast and I just realized, man, that it's it's deeper than rap, man. It's your boy, see Will Holler. It's deeper than rap. Podcast. It's a pod experience. Hey man, I can't even call it a podcast no more, man. I gotta call it podcast, man. It was straight wow. Testing one, two, one, two. Like to welcome you all back to Two Kings and a Pod. You got your boy Free Blast right here. AKA Blanche Radamus, AKA B. Diddy, AKA the COVID Ducker. <laughs> and I got my boy over here, C. Will Holler. What's up, babe? Yeah, man. <laughs> Say the COVID Ducker. <laughs> I ain't scared of you, mother truckers. <laughs> Fool. <laughs> What's good, man? We back. Shit. Uh, 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 another day, another weekend, another week on this side of God Goods Green Earth. That's good. We blessed. We blessed to be on this side, alive and well. Not just alive, but alive and well. Facts. Speaking into existence now. Well, we're here, man. So what's good? How is it on your side of the your side of the Hudson? <laughs> A raccoon city. <laughs> <laughs> so what you ain't you imposter with you beaver city now, right? What y'all Boy, listen, skunk city. <laughs> skunk when city. I tell you when I tell you all kind of men of wildlife coming out, I, I listen, it went from Ducking and dodging people to ducking and dodging skunks, geese, beavers. Uh, I, I, you know, because people forget. And I, I know you know this. New Jersey is in the Meadowlands, so this yes. is literally this is literally swamp territory. So literally, my apartment complex is bumped up next to like a marsh area. So there's a pathway which they got a pretty nice setup where you can go back there, a little nature trail back there in this side of the river. And the crazy part is, man, so I'm, you know, one day I go back there and I'm on the trail and man, I seen that skunk pop up. I looked at him. He looked at me. He went his side. I went my side. I literally didn't want no smoke, man. No smoke. Man, no smoke. Not from no skunk. Nah, I told the dude, it was a dude coming up the path. As I was leaving out, I said, hey, man, it's a, it, it's a skunk right around the corner. Don't startle him, man. <laughs> <laughs> the skunk says, player haters get away or his tail will spray. Man, you see that tail lift up. You better run for them heels, man. Because that, that skunk get on you, it's a wrap. Curtains. And can you imagine getting sprayed by a skunk and you already on quarantine? Man. 
I mean, you just in your house festering. Not only did you bring in that COVID, you you brought in that stank beard. Stank man, smelling like an ad lib. Man, it's over. <laughs> What's good on your side? Uh, my side is pretty good, man. Uh, just pretty much slow motion. You know, it's funny. I've been seeing more cars on the road uh, since last time we talked. It's weird. Like, I guess maybe because it's Easter coming up. I don't know. Um, saw some of my neighbors are gone. I think they went out of town. I'm assuming because all the cars are gone. Um, I don't know. It's weird. I think people are still trying to enjoy Easter. Listen. We're not out the dark part yet, and I don't know why everybody is trying to. And what is this whole thing about returning back to normal? It's crazy to hear that, and and I'm all, I'll be. Sometimes I'm offended when I hear that, man. <laughs> I'm I'm offended when I hear that because I'm like, and, and peep, peep where I'm coming from. You as a black man, me as a black man, do you want to go back to normal? No. You feel let, what I'm saying? Let, let, let this whole, let Babylon fall. Let it fall, man. Let it fall because they had 400 plus years to get it together. Yeah, man. They have 400. No. So I'm not feeling it. I'm not trying to go back to normal. I'm trying to go forward. <laughs> I want to move forward, but I definitely don't want to go back. But that's going to be the whole pitch, though, you know. If you want your normal life, because that's going to be the whole selling point on this vaccine and everything, you know, normalcy. Everybody's going to want to go back to things the way they were. People are going to want to be able to go back and hang out, go back out and party, go back out and gather in large groups, sporting events. People want to return back to their normal lives. Like, so that's going to be the pitch, normal life. But I'm, I'm with you. Like, it don't have to be normal ever again in life. Let this thing fall apart. I don't, I don't care if y'all crying and gnashing the teeth. Let it all fall. Let it all burn. Let's start from scratch. Hit the reset button. It wasn't normal to begin with. No, nah, not for us. No. Nah. I mean, if you think about the history of the black man and woman in this country, black children, black life, um, I know we want, we want to talk about economics and the color of money, the color of economics, the color of wealth. <clears throat> and the wealth disparity that we all face in this country. We're going to talk about that tonight. Um, we're going to talk about some interesting characters and how that, how, how the color of your skin enables you or disables you to move throughout this society. Now you and I can both agree on this one simple principle. You need money to not only survive, but you need money to thrive. Yes. Your game can only take you so far. Yes. You know, one of your one of your hashtags and monikers is what? Hustle heart mouthpiece. Yes. Now, to me, when I hear that, those sound like ingredients for success. And what success looks like is having the ability to move how you need to move. Now, you even quoted me saying this last week that money is not success. Money's access. I know money is an easy way for people to keep score. Um, in, in terms of success, but you and I both know people who've had money that with struggles mentally, um, struggles physically, struggle with self-acceptance. So to me, that's why I say money doesn't equate success. What equates success to me is your ability to move through this thing called life 
at a pace and freedom that you have that you can choose. To me, that's yes. what success looks like: freedom. Yes, and I would agree with you. That is uh, success. Uh, honestly, you got to think about it. that's life, though. If you really live, you have to do what you want to do. Yeah. And most of us, most people that make a lot of money, they're trapped to something. They're a slave to yeah. something. Yeah. And it's just how it works. You know, you, I don't care if it's corporate America. I don't care if it's these streets. If you're a successful financially, more than likely you're going to be a slave to something. Now, if you get successful or become rich doing your passion, doing your God-given ability, where it's not work, that's different. You know, where you're actually able to pour into the world and make money doing it, that's different. Most people aren't that lucky, though. Most people are doing something that may not be their passion. They just may be good at it. Um, so, yeah, freedom. So if you, if you don't have freedom, you're not really living, honestly. I had the ability to go through um, one of these, like, keepsake boxes that I keep around. And I'm telling you, man, I got stuff in this box from this 20 plus years old. In this box, I have my old PlayStation 2, about 20, 30 some odd games. I have old books. I even have my old VCR from college. And with that VCR, I have a bunch of tapes. Tapes where I recorded many different events throughout my life, events with family and friends, and being able to pop those tapes in, and they still work, number one. And what I saw when I was watching that is, is the fluidity of how everybody was moving. There was a, a different energy in that time period. There was a different, just uh, a frequency of life. What I saw, um, you know, all my friends and family that I was able to record, everybody had a smile on their face. Everybody was smiling. I venture to say that if I were able to record these same people, I don't think that many people would have these same smiles. They wouldn't have the same vibrance, that same energy, that same frequency that they had in these uh, in these in these tapes. And the funny thing is, and I and actually that made me really really stop and think about that. Like what transpired over these past twenty plus years to where we could all envision what the future looked like for us at that point in time, and it seems like we're so far from that mark. Cause I remember people saying, you know, back in the day and keep in mind, this was before Y2K. This is before the year 2000. This is b before where we are right now. This is before hurricane Katrina. This is before nine 11. This is before a lot of these, this is before obviously the 2008 market crash. The reason why I'm bringing these events up, correlating them to this current event is these, these impactful events had an effect not only on, the country but the world and if you think about it when these events happened the world changed mm -hmm. the world changed like when we when when 9 11 happened it changed how we travel mm -hmm. you remember you could run you could be you could almost be 10 minutes late for your flight and still catch a flight because you, you know you you didn't have security you could literally and i, I remember taking a trip to atlanta and the entire family was able to get out of the car and walk to the terminal. You can't do that anymore. People literally have to pick you up and drop you off at the airport. Yeah. And I remember pre nine I pre Hurricane Katrina, gas was less than two dollars. 
I mean, we're seeing that now, obviously, because people can't drive. Um, gas is less than $2. Um, I remember before the 2008 market crash. I remember how I think that was the final nail in the coffin for Hot Atlanta. <laughs> I think Atlanta was yeah. a great party city before, you know, 2008. Yeah, that pretty so, much ruined yeah. it. That pretty much yeah. got rid of it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm going to say this too, though. Like you mentioned how we lived, you know, back then. I think, you know, back then we actually had fun and we actually enjoyed life. And I think what the powers that be did was they tried to monetize experiences. They tried to make these experiences all, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Contrived. Everything, everything was contrived as an experience now. So it's just like we used to go to the club and the dance floor would be packed. Facts. Then you go to the club now, there aren't any really any clubs. And the clubs they do have, it's all VIP sections. So it's like they want you to go in there and like it's no, and it's like lounges and hookah and sections and it's no real. It's not organic. It's not organic. Everything is contrived. So how, how we used to do it back in the day, we used to go places with no money. I remember going to Miami with some friends of ours, uh, Gil and Saeed, man. And this is where I even got Hustle Hard Mouthpiece from. Going to Miami with no money during Zoe Summer Groove Weekend and having a blast. Like, having, like, I know I spent $48 that whole weekend, but I was in all kinds of sections, balled out, <laughs> had fun, live life. Everything was great for $48. You can't do that now. You you cannot go down there to my You can't do that for a night on the town. Not, you can't do that now. <laughs> so, and you know what's funny? This was like in, I want to say it was 09. I want to say it was 09. And, but my point is, it was organic back then, like you say. And now it's just, everything is, a, is it has a script attached to it. Everything has a itinerary attached. It's just like nothing is just going out there having fun. Even I remember one time uh, Nino Brown 305 was talking about, uh, or was it Plies? I think it was Plies. He said he uh, was out in the spot and people were turning up for their videos for Instagram. And then when they cut the video off, they were just sitting there looking bored. And he was just like, well, is it all fake? And I was like, yeah, it's all fake. Like, none of it is real. It's kind of like social media came in and made people faker. It let some people take off, and then some people just became faker. I think the masses of people wanted to recreate real-life experiences on a daily basis. So they started, you know, what we see now. And that's just this whole, even, even the virus is trending. Even the, <laughs> even the, this is true. It, it's a fad. Like I'm just <clears> like people are like, I got my new mask today. Um, I'm wearing my mask. It's just I'm just like, come on. It, it's it's just y'all are not this cool. We are not this cool as society. We are not this no swag. We, it's, we're not. Y'all in the house panicking, eating oodles and noodles. Come on, man. <laughs> I know I know what y'all doing. I just saw Adrian Bonner on his live. Eating cup of noodles, him and his kids. So, and he got money. So I know what y'all doing. Don't I know what y'all doing? 
So don't act like everybody just flying through this thing, chilling with matching. I went out yesterday to 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 Whole Foods. I seen these girls now they got on matching masks with their outfits. Then I'm in the store for about 20 minutes. Then now they're taking the mask off. Why are you taking the mask off? Oh, it was fashion. I get it. If the COVID is floating around, leave the mask on. But you don't really care about COVID more than you care about looking like you care about COVID. So I don't know. It's just, yeah, back in the day, man, we was living life. And now it's uh, it's all contrived. It's fake. It's a script. Well, you know I love alliteration. And as you were saying that, I'm thinking about, you know, I, I wanted to call this the color of money, but I think I might call this paying for profit. Okay. Because that seems to be the color of money. And I, and, I, and, I, and I bring up the title, The Color of Money, for this. Specifically, when you look at black skin, red blood, equals the color green. Mm-hmm. That's what this that's what this country was built on. It was. Off the back off the backs and the blood of slavery, people that look like you and I, their pain was for profit. And they were they were not allowed or they not even allowed. They weren't even included. They weren't even included in what they wanted to create in this society. The people who built literally hand to foot built this society were not included in the progression of the society and we go to from that to where we are today and you know what I'm saying from pro, for, uh from from pain from profit or profit from pain you talk about the commodification of catastrophe that's another alliteration that I just wrote down right commodification of catastrophe with I don't have and, and, and keep in mind all of this is because this country is built off of the economic system called capitalism mm-hmm. and in and in the game of capitalism you got to have winners but you got to have losers and I you and I both know a universal principle is that the rising tide lifts all boats but we don't like that because that's socialism I'm like, you ain't got to make sure everybody balling. I'm okay with that because guess what? Everybody don't want to ball. Some people just want to live. Some people just want to get by. Mm-hmm. Some people want to be on the fringes. You just said you did a whole weekend in Miami with $48. And I'm pretty sure that was a very organic experience because I guess if you ain't got no money to worry about, you ain't worried about saving. So <laughs> everything is a Hail Mary. Everything. <laughs> everything is a Hail Mary. Yeah, boy, won't he do won't it? He, man. <laughs> And I was throwing Hail Marys and they was catching them balls, man. Goodness. So so you had, so you had you had uh, uh, Jerry Rice and Randy Moss on man. both sides. Four touchdowns in one game. Al Bundy. All outrides. All outrides. <laughs> Lamar Jackson was toting the Man. Around. Come on. Spent all pro Madden. Spent $48, man. Living off Poyo Tri- living off Poyo Tropical and that little Buffet spot on the on uh on Collins. <laughs> oh, I know, I know exactly. That little Cuban spot cruising down, yeah, cruising down Collins. Dave's Dave's Cafe. Is Dave's Cafe. Dave's, yeah, Dave's Cuban Cafe. Excellent buffet. Eight 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 ninety nine. All you want, and it was good. You used to kill them for the breakfast, and they had fresh food, yep. fruits, fish. Yeah, everything was fresh. 
Yeah, life was much simpler back then. Think about it. The food was fresh, uh, to your point. Life was fresh and organic. And, and, and where we are now, everything, uh, the word that you use is contrived. Everything is, is scripted and orchestrated. You know, organized fun. Think about that's it. That's what it is. And that's, and that's basically what we see is just, or is they're telling us what's fun now. You know, that's why you see yeah. all the stuff that's usually trending is all stupid stuff. There, there's no trending experiences that are just you going outside and living your life. It's always something that involves fire, somebody getting wet, somebody jumping off something, somebody getting hurt. Is is somebody dancing, making a buffoon out of themselves? It's never just going outside, living your life. You know, so that's what we are, though. And I, like I said before, we are not this cool. I see people every day and all day. There are not this many cool people in the world. There's, most people in the world are not this cool. Most folks in the world just got their head down and they walk in a, in a line, minding their business. <laughs> That's, <laughs> That's most folks in the world. So now we see just, and like you say, the, the color of money, it, it is commoditizing off of our pain. And a lot of it gets lost when we say we built this country, but it ain't just we built it. Not only did we built it, but we also the backbone to the sense of we're the number one consumer group. Uh, we're also monetized off of in every aspect from the criminal justice system to, as I said, consumerism. Uh, so we literally and in the service industry. So it's literally we are what the Matrix movie was about. We are a human battery for this country and we have been for the world. For the world. Since they came over here, you know, so yeah, that yeah, the matrix. We just we are a battery for the world. And um it just it's just funny that all this stuff happens and we seem to get pushed to the back, but yet somehow keep winding up, rising to the forefront. I remember when Trump got elected, the first thing they said was, Oh, he got elected because black people didn't vote. I said, right. Ain't that? I said, wait a minute. He got elected because black people didn't vote. Not because 68% of white men voted or 53% of white women voted, but because black people didn't vote, that's why Trump is president. Just like with this coronavirus thing, um, they said, oh, uh, black people are dying from it because they have poor health. I said, well, wait a minute. Now, y'all told me everybody could get it. Now you saying we die because of poor health? Well, make your mind up. Is poor health a factor or not? Because, But again, whatever happens in this country, we find ourselves rising back up to the forefront when there's a problem. I agree with that. I 1,000% I agree with that. And, and you said something about uh, when Trump was elected back in 2016, that, that is hilarious that they said, oh, he got elected because black people didn't vote when literally I want to say 74.5, almost 75 million people didn't vote. Literally a third of this country didn't vote and black people only make up, we only, what, 13%, make 13 to 16% of the country. Yeah. Uh, so there's no more than 18, how much, 18 million black people in this country? No, it's 40, it's uh, 40. 40- they say it's between 46, but they say 41 and 48. I don't know. They don't know the exact numbers, but it's in the 40s of millions. So we can round up, say 48 yeah. million. So 48 million blacks and 75 million people didn't vote. 
Now, I don't know what the percentages are, but I clearly know that the percentages weren't skewed for us voting for Trump if we did yeah. vote. So, th- yeah, that math doesn't make sense. And this is why, and I know I, I, this is why I like talking to you because you actually take time out to do your research. And I encourage everybody to do their own research I want to get, for this information. So, hold on. I want to tell you this. So, in 2016, uh, about 100 million people did not vote. Oh, close to 100 million yeah, people. Yeah, about 100 million people. Well, that 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 is close to a third yeah. then. Because it's 300 plus million people yeah. here. So basically, uh, 61.4% of citizens voting age voted. But here goes what's funny. 61.4% of people voted in 2016 and 61.8% voted in 2012. So the actual voting was the same. All this hoop. Pretty All much. this hoopla and about not voting was BS. The same amount of people voted. It's just when Trump got in office, they said, oh, it wasn't supposed to happen, so who can we blame? And the first initial thing was, oh, black people didn't vote. That's always the thing. And I do know what you're talking about, Dr. Anthony Fauci making the comment about uh the reasons why black people are not only contracting because and that is funny because I remember when this first broke, they were saying black people couldn't get it. Yeah. So how do we go from not being able to contract the virus to the lead vote getter of not only contracting the virus, but also dying from yeah. the virus? It's, it's just ironic that they've been talking about this virus and they've been saying you beat this virus. That's what the media has been saying. You beat this virus by Everybody, again, this is trendy. I'm doing my part. I'm social distancing. I'm making sure I wash my hands. I'm staying away from people. I'm supporting the cause. Now, this has been the whole media theme about staying away, self-quarantining, what do they call it? Rest in place or home in place or some little term. They they have a term called shelter shelter in place. Um, Some catch. Some catch, shelter in place self-quarantining, social distancing, all these little terms you can use as a hashtag. And nobody's been talking about the overall theme being poor health. They not mentioning that. But when it comes to black people, now it's not about social distancing. It's not about quarantining. It's, oh, y'all got poor health. That's why y'all dying. I said, wait a minute. Hold on, hold on, hold on. If poor health is a factor in death for the virus, then Poor health is a factor for the virus, period. So if people are dying due to poor health, then that leads me to believe that poor health is a reason people are dying. The CDC even says people that are high risk are uh, the elderly, people mm-hmm. uh, with severely or potential to have a severe illness, uh, people that have asthma, and people that have HIV. Those are the four categories that put you at high risk. So I asked the question, everybody got mad. I said, okay, so if we have established a high risk group, then what's the low risk group? Everybody gets upset because they, they think I'm saying, go out there and do what you want to do. That's not what I'm saying. I'm simply saying, if you've established a high risk group, just like medicine has always been, they have a high risk group and they have a low risk group. So what's the low risk group? 
the low risk groups are people that are overall overall have good health. And I said, that's what mm-hmm. they're not saying. And this brings out something glaring that it took black people again to come save the day because now we see that, oh, it is health that is linked to people dying from the virus. It's not just anybody can get it and die from it. It's like rolling the dice. Uh, if it, you might roll snake eyes or COVID. Take your, you know, <laughs> take your pick. So, you know, Seven. so my point is, it's just funny that how the narrative shifted when it came, when it came to us. It, it shifted back to overall health. And I asked the question, I'm going to ask you, if, if poor health is the leading cause to why people are dying, then why are we not talking about good health? I take it even a step further. Why aren't we talking about the infrastructure in place that causes poor okay. health? The food systems, the food delivery systems, bad housing, <clears throat> poverty, right? I.e., the color of poverty money. is the number one killer of people around the world. Facts. Po- in this country, in, in the, everywhere yeah. around the world, poverty is going to be number one because poverty limits what you can do. And if I limit what you can do, then you're going to be a victim of your conditions. It's just how it works. So if you don't have any money and all you got is sewer water running through the village, then guess what? That's what it is. It's just sewer water. You see in in India, people bathing in in trash. People literally bathing in, washing their clothes. I'm just like, goodness. But that's that's what poverty does, though. You are subject to your surroundings. So... But they don't want to address that, though. They will address vaccines. No. and. But, that, but, that, but that's my point about the infrastructure. That is absolutely my point about the infrastructure. Um, because it's, it's, it's an infrastructure. Meaning someone put these schemes in place for this to be the way that it is. You see what I'm saying? Like to, you, you remember that scene? And I, I thought this was one of the most powerful scenes in the movie Malcolm X. When Malcolm X gets to meet Elijah Muhammad for the first time and he does the whole thing with the water and the two glasses and he pours the ink into one glass and says, if this is what you offer the people and this is all they have to drink, this is what they will drink. But clearly, if you offer them a better choice, they're going to take the better choice because and this is this is the smoke and mirrors, right? This is the infrastructure or the scheme or the color of money in this color that I'm talking about is black. And I'm saying black is in this sense. They'll say, eat better, drink more water. Do you know the price of water? I remember back in the day growing up in Florida, you, you used to be able to pull up to a fresh water spring. And you can ask anybody from Central Florida this. Right along uh, 1792 in Longwood, there was a fresh water spring that you could take all your old water jugs, milk jugs, whatever, fill these things up with water from a fresh spring. I remember my grandfather, we used to take like eight jugs up there, fill them jugs up and take it back. And I mean, this is, this is, you can't get any better than this water. This is Florida fresh spring water. Mm -hmm. Do you know, and I found this out and it was shocking to me. Do you know they closed that water tap off? And that thing had, that thing had been that thing had been operating for years, for years, and they closed they 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 closed that tap. Give off. the people fresh water, please. Give the people fresh water from the earth. Come on, man. And how is a bowl of fruit <clears throat> more than a value dollar a, a, a dollar value meal? 
You see what I'm saying? Like you go get a bowl of fruit, a real bowl of fruit costs you almost mm-hmm. five bucks, if not more than that. You can go to McDonald's and get a five for five for five mm-hmm. bucks. And and that's crazy to me. And that's not real food. That's not real food. That's fake food. It's all chemically based. And that's and it's all chemical based. And your body has to deal with that. And you've been, you know, putting your body through the rigors for however long you've been on this planet. Of course, you can't sustain anything. You can't stand up to anything. You can't defeat anything when something like this comes along. I know, and, and, and even to talk about the point about how you're moving, of course, you're not talking about out here living flagrantly, but you're not out here living in fear either. I live in, I'm in New, I'm in New York, New Jersey, man, and I'm not, I'm, I'm following the guidelines, but I'm not wandering around yeah. in fear. And I'm, I'm, I'm in the hot seat. I'm a raccoon city right across the river. <laughs> Skunk raccoon city next to Skunk it, Village. <laughs> I mean, Pepper Le Pew in the back right now. But I'm not running and operating in fear because I know that too does have a negative impact on your immune system. But guess guess what though? Think about this. The freer your mind is able to operate, the more money you attract. And the more money you attract, the more access that you have. The more access that you have, the more options and Mm -hmm. choices that you have. And it's all correlated. I mean, we talked about freedom earlier. You know, it's it's just as I said last week on the podcast, this this COVID nineteen pandemic has been eye opening to see how people uh, are responding to it. Um, and I think it's something in the Bible where it says separating the shaft or shaft from the from the wheat. Shaft from the wheat. And I see during this whole thing, there's a separation because I'm just like, there's no cure for it. So the only thing that an individual could do is to make sure they were operating at their best ability. That would mean your mind mentally, spiritually, and physically, because there's no cure. So, and a vaccine is not even a cure. So there is literally nothing that can quote unquote, save you from COVID-19. So with that being said, it would behoove anybody to focus now on, health but i see people focusing on fear and everybody just keeps saying stay in the house stay in the house stay in the house stay in the house i was like but stay in the house how can i say this they're not saying you can't go outside they're saying don't go outside and gather in large groups they're saying don't go outside and throw block parties they're saying don't go outside and 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 have barbecues. They're saying don't go outside and congregate in large groups of people. I said, but all of this, don't go outside, don't go outside. Your body needs to go outside. And I said, because your body needs yeah. what outside has to offer. <laughs> I said, the funny thing is, viruses don't exist out here in oxygen. The the, the longest they may exist is. They say, well, maybe a couple of days, but on day two, the virus ain't strong like it was day one. So it doesn't have the same capabilities it did to infect someone. So day three, it's barely hanging on. Again, this is just regular science for anything. It's hard for stuff to live outside of a host. This is how these things work. But my point is, I just see people not abandoning common sense for fear. I see people abandoning normal practices they've practiced for their entire lives for fear. That's why I said I would love to see what Dr. Sebi had to say about all of this. Because many of you all told me the government killed him. So if the government killed Dr. Sebi, hmm. what do you think he would say about COVID-19? 
honestly, if the government killed him for saying all the truth about everything else, what do you think he would say about COVID-19? Do you think he would say, yeah, do what they're telling you to do, everything they're saying is 100 correct, or would he tell you to do something that was totally unconventional to what they wanted you to do? I, I would venture it would be something that was unconventional. My point in all this is to say, this is how you see the separation in people. People would have believed Dr. Sebi a year ago on everything. Mm-hmm. He comes mm-hmm. out a year later and says COVID-19 is whatever. And everybody, most people would be like, man, he's crazy. I said, because this is what fear does. And I'm not saying that people aren't perishing from COVID-19. I'm simply saying there is a lot of fear propaganda that goes along with it. Because the only way to keep this thing alive is for you to be af- afraid of it. You ever heard the old saying, a good politician never lets a catastrophe go away? <laughs> no, that's an excellent quote, though. Yeah, they never let they never let a, a, a catastrophe go to a waste or something like this um, where because they because, you know, and I know this is the moment where they get to push through any type of legislation Anything. that they want. Because nobody's looking at the fine print. You know, this is this is how loan sharks are able to do business. This is how, because to, and, and you and you said this to God is not going to bless you when you're operating in fear because no. they can't coexist. They they cannot coexist. Fear and faith cannot coexist. And fears and fear is not right? of God. So so God doesn't give not us a spirit all. of fear. So fear actually makes you unrecognizable to God. You actually look like something that is ungodly to God because fear does not come from God. So that's literally something that you are creating. It's more like you become an abomination once you start living your life in fear. I'm not, I'm not saying don't be cautious. I'm not saying don't take care of yourself. I'm simply saying there are people literally out there losing their mind, running from something they can't see, taste, touch, feel. They just going by what they're seeing and, and running rampant with it. I'm like, calm down and take care of yourself. Facts. Super facts. Well, earlier we were able to talk a little bit offline about um, a documentary that's on HBO right now called The Scheme about a young man who came up uh, in what, Sagan- Saginaw, yeah. Michigan. Saginaw. A young man by the name of Christian Christian Dawkins. Where I mean, when you look at The Scheme on HBO now, now streaming on HBO, to me, it's a phenomenal story. I mean, because it really wasn't your normal or your atypical or your typical rags to riches type of story when you have young black people coming up because clearly they weren't poor. They were a middle class, I would even probably say upper middle class, black family in Saginaw Mission, dad well-known, mom well-known, prominent family, uh, three kids. And they're in love with basketball. And obviously folks who know from the Midwest, uh, Michigan is one of those states where, uh, one of those heartland states where Mm -hmm. basketball is a pretty big deal. And this young man, to me, in, in, in my summation of what watching what I was watching, uh, honestly, he's a borderline genius. Because at the age of, of 17 years old, for you to be able to clear over $100,000 and get your AAU team fully suited, that means head to toe, warm-ups, jerseys, sneakers. Paying for travel, everything. Revenue. Everything paid for. And you're mm-hmm. getting some of the best talent. 
and you're only 17 years old. So not only did this dude have the wherewithal to 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 get get the talent, he also got the best coaches too to coach these AAU teams. To me, like I said, I I think he's a genius, uh, as Trump would say, a stable genius. Uh, but you had a different take on on the scheme. And yeah, because Dawkins. if you watch uh, his, you you saw even though he was highly intelligent, some of it was deception. And if you if you watched, he started he started mm-hmm. deception earlier on, like even when he knew. He said when he wanted to, even his dad said he would be on the court and he'd want to do his own thing. So we saw early on that when it came to following the rules, that wasn't something he wanted to do. But part of following the rules at a young age gives you a foundation to be successful when you get older so that way you don't don't get compromised in these situations. And I think that we saw him uh, doing that earlier and then when he realized he wasn't that good at basketball, especially <laughs> when his brother was a lot better than him and he went to a team where everybody was better than him. When he realized he wasn't that good, then he started, he made it first about, okay, how can I manipulate people into thinking that I'm better than I really am? Then then that went from, okay, mm-hmm. if I talk to these people about, you know, it's kind of like highly intelligent, but to me, the core of what he was doing was deceptive. It, it, it was It was deception. I would even think that the more intelligent that you are, you're going to arc towards manipulation for the simple fact that you think you're smarter than everyone else. I mean, that's literally where the term yeah. too smart for you. He's probably smarter from. than the average person he was talking to adult or child. And I'm sure he was. I'm sure he was. Cause you can't yeah. manipulate people if you're not. And smart. then, uh, I, yeah, I never you got to be able to read people, person. know people, <laughs> predict outcomes, all these things you got to be able to do. And so he was a master at that. But then when I saw Mm -hmm. where he had that website and he ranked himself, I'm like. But he wasn't high. Oh, no, he ranked ranked himself (laughs) high. And oh, no, yeah, he said he did. He said I may have ranked myself uh, two. He said maybe I did two or three. Like, no, no, that's my. No, bro. It wasn't I'm telling you, he, go back and look. He, I think it was like 200. I'm telling you, it was 200. Go back, I, go back, well, and they go show back. the website. Look back. where his name is. You look at look where his name is. Cause you got to think now. He's a 5'10 point guard. Just look where his name. He he, he looked like a he looked like yeah a he, did, he yeah like he wasn't he was short not, yeah, yeah he didn't have yeah, no kind of basketball. But my point is with him. No, no, no ball no. of swag. No ball of swag. No, but my point is, you're right. It's a level of manipulation and a level of deception. The only problem is, you're gonna run into somebody that got more game than you. You're gonna you're gonna run into somebody that know more than you. Facts. You're gonna run into somebody that got it better figured out than you. You have run into somebody that's been doing it longer than you. You're going to run into somebody that's better than you at being at at being slick. Is what I'm saying. So that's where. Truth. You should have earned the game. You know, not learned the game, but earned the game. Earning the game is I've done what I need to do to build this foundation to where I can fall back on some something tangible, not just everything being a a word of mouth, a conversation, a hear it. I, I can get this guy, I can do this. Oh man, I'm listening to him on the phone. I'm like, dude, you 
Man, he talking too. <laughs> he Come was on, reckless. Man. But you made up a good point. You... And he's and he was a yeah. kid talking to kid. adults that way. He Yeah, he was a kid and he was, he was talking, talking reckless. Re- and he found but see this is how I knew he was using his true talents because his talents did make room for him and he was in the presence of some pretty prominent and great men. Like he had he had millionaires yeah. seeking him out. He had millionaires, like millionaires with the shoe companies, millionaires at the agencies, uh, millionaires uh, from collegiate sports and athletics, uh, AAU teams. And what people aren't talking about, and this is what I'm talking about, the color of money and the commodification of catastrophe and profiting off of our pain. Because you're literally the, the product. And I'm going to say it just like this, because this is how black life has been in this country. We have literally been a commodity when it comes to sports entertainment. We are the number one export from America. Period, point blank, end of story. I don't give a damn who say what about it. Black life is the number one commodity, the number one American export. When you talk about going back as far as the cotton tobacco from slavery, to the sports and entertainment world and the complex. Because if you think about it, this is why they pushed for NBA, for the NBA to be a global game. And we Mm -hmm. see where we are with that now. The NBA is on path and almost on par with the NFL. Why? Because NFL is primarily and predominantly an American sport. And now you got them going down to Mexico and you got them going over to London and I know they play football in Canada, but not like we play here. And the teams are predominantly built in iconic American cities. But when you have the NBA, think about it. The NBA is in places where they don't have uh, football. Oklahoma City. See what I'm saying? Like we have Memphis. Oklahoma City, Orlando, my hometown. Portland. You had, you had the Tampa Bay Bucks and Miami for years. But and then we got the Jacksonville Jaguars and Tampa Bay's only, you know, almost two hours south and Miami's four hours south and Jacksonville is two hours north. But there's no Orlando football team. There's no Orlando baseball team. Bam, you drop an NBA franchise right in the middle in the in the, in the middle of the Sunshine State and it mm-hmm. becomes the Orlando Magic. And to your same point, Portland, Oklahoma City. Um, but you also have predominantly NBA basketball, I mean, NBA basketball teams and predominantly iconic American cities here in New York. Uh, you had the Nets move from New Jersey over to Brooklyn. And then you have, I remember one time realizing that there are four basketball teams in California. Four. And Texas has three. And New York has two. And then you have the rest of the country pretty much with nothing, so they had to make it regional, right? Obviously, in Chicago, you have the Bulls, and then down in Indiana, you have have the Pacers, and then over in Milwaukee, you have the Bucks, but that's pretty much it for, you know, the Midwest. True. Sorry about that. Shout out to the Detroit Pistons. Yeah. Grant Hill. But, yeah. uh, So, yeah, the... um, one other thing that I thought that was interesting about the scheme, you all should check it out, was that credit card issue uh, with the Uber, that car being left on that account. And 
I'm just a real stickler about this money thing. And and I just, you, you can't be, you got somebody's card. You, you have somebody's card on file. Now, I'm not saying the mm -hmm. folks that were using it didn't know what they were doing because they knew it was a, basically a free card and they weren't liable for it because it was under somebody else's name. We didn't work for the agency anymore. So they're going to take advantage of it. They are. But he, I'm like, dude, you can't be that, like, you have to have a little bit understanding of how this thing works. You can't leave a man cart open at a... Oh, he was very young. I'm just like, not somebody's card. Like, but it was $45,000, I think, or what? how much was it? $75,000 of Uber uses. So that means that company was just using that car, and they know good and well they shouldn't be using it, but it is not under their name. It's under that guy's name. And they know when it comes to liability, it's going to be on him. Just like I, just like the guy that um, stole the $77 million from Kevin Garnett, he hired a, a firm, mm -hmm. and the two guys from the firm said, we knew he was stealing money. He said, but we also knew he had a blanket power of attorney. So even though he's stealing money, he actually has the authority to do it. And he says, so at that point, it's out of our hands and needs to be taken up with the person that signed over the blanket power of attorney. But this is what we're talking about, the color of money and the color of economics and all these things is that even these black people trusting crooked white people because they're white. There's not any other reason to trust them but because they told you they have money and they're white. There are plenty of black folks with money that you could have went to but you thought, if I fool with them, I'm going to get jammed up, I'm going to get locked up, or they're going to want their money for real. You know, all these things. And so we let our guards down when it comes to white people in business. I see it all the time. It's like I said, there's no way Kevin Garnett would have had a black man over that much money and him not counting every cent that was going through that man's hands. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's no way he gonna let me manage that account and not know where all the money is going. He let this man have access to all that money and let the man put him on the allowance. And he only found out that the money was funny when he asked for some extra money and the guy said no. He asked for his own money from the guy and the guy said no. And that's how the whole thing blew up. Listen to me. 77 mil? Ain't no talking. Listen, it's a bunch of sin. Matter of fact, I'm going to put that thing, what Man. they call it, it passed participle. Seat. Hey. <laughs> hey. I'm going to listen. I'm coming to see my ancestors coming to see your ancestors. <clears throat> we want that 77 million. That I want all of it. And two mules. With interest. With, with interest. And that same guy had got Tim Duncan for 20. So, so out of two NBA players, we're talking about he prominent. Prominent. prominent NBA players. NBA players. With all, all the famers. He got league. almost $100 million off of just two players. So we don't know what else he got. Just off of those two. He got almost a hundred million dollars. And I said, 
how trusting is a white face? I watched these documentaries and I'm like, y'all are sitting there talking about illegal business dealing with Caucasian people. And listen, I don't want to sound like I'm against white people, but I know one thing. If a white person is doing something illegal and I get involved with them, when the stuff hits the fan, it's going to be on me. They already got an exit plan. Mm -hmm. They already set it up. I, I yeah, they already got an exit. Work, they, they're paying people I work for a company along the way. And they had me in court. <laughs> they said, your name is on everything. I said, what? <laughs> is that your signature? Uh, it, 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 it looks like it. <laughs> oh my gosh. I said, I said, have me my glasses. They said, you ain't got no glasses. I said, well, have me somebody's glasses. Have me some. Yeah. I got to see what's going on. Right over there to walk. Right over get there get walk. my script. Get my scription. I need some oh my, my scription on it. Man, you got me crying, man. He said, I work for the company. And they got me in court. Oh my so goodness. I'm in that I'm in court hilarious. and I'm and I'm up against I'm up against Ooh. SunTrust. I'm up against uh Wachovia. I'm up against uh I want to say Washington Mutual. I, I'm up against three Wama. banks and they want their bread. And and I'm telling the, the prosecution, <laughs> I'm like, listen, I said I'm the low man on the totem pole. I, I don't own this company. He look at his notes. He they thinking I own. They're thinking this. They're thinking because everybody's in there for me. They're thinking that it's my company. So they gotta. So they gotta look through their notes and say, yeah. "Oh, I said, dude, this is not my company. I'm merely. I work for this company. I said they just had me signing the checks." That's, 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 I mean, it's scary. I, I have to imagine that that had to be a very scary situation because to you, to your point, you're talking about banks that are worth billions of dollars going up against you, which I don't know what your salary was at that time, but I'm pretty sure no. it wasn't a million dollars a year. Um, so whatever the amount of money that they were asking or seeking uh, for recompensation I can only imagine, and somehow, some way, you end up being the face of this whole situation. That is, that is, it's ridiculous. it's ridiculous, right? <clears throat> it's absolutely ridiculous. It is. I mean, it How got resolved because resolved? I basically had to sit down with the district attorney, and you know, basically, mm -hmm. I said. Uh, Listen, I said, just like these banks got deceived, I got deceived. I said, think about it. I said, look at my position with the company. I said, look at my position. I said, look at my position and then look at who's in the courtroom. I said, we done bypass CEO, vice president. Like, I said, look at my position and look who's in here. And he was like, you're right. I said, exactly. I said, I said, I was set up too. I said, they used me to sign my name so they wouldn't be liable. 
I said these people was buying property with this money. They was they was doing all kind of flagrant stuff, man. It was it was crazy. And out of everybody, the person with no criminal record, the person that had never been locked up, the person that wasn't scheming, the person that wasn't scamming, I had to be the one to sit in court and clear my name. Really my life. Because them three banks wanted their bread. <laughs> so they wanted fact, bread, but you had no, no flour, flour, no oven, no nothing. <laughs> I said, they said, I said, oh, how much? Boy, they was reading off. Oh my goodness, it was. I'm talking about. We talking about <laughs> six zeros, not six zero, not six zeros, five zeros. Man, five zeros. <clears throat> we talking about. We talking about we talking about six. That's figures, pretty scary, yeah. man. That's pretty scary. Well, we're almost on time uh, for this segment. I do want to take a quick break and then come back, and we can jump into the re- resolution of Christian Dawkins, and we can talk about some other things that I wanted to kind of correlate to what happened with him and how his case ended, and how some similar cases and the cases that I'm thinking about in mind. Um, Elizabeth Holmes, Elizabeth Holmes comes top of mind with her company, Serenos, um, where she developed this little lab. I don't know if you saw that one. That was on HBO. And then the Firefest, the Firefest debacle with our with our with our main man Billy, oh, man. Uh, Billy McFarlane, and ja, and Ja Rule, <laughs> man Jug Rule, Jug Rule. Where would I be without you? <laughs> we'll be right back. <laughs> And we're back with another episode of Two Kings in the Park. Boy, listen, two hatchback sobs in the garage, no fake and no facade. I had two keys, but I left my fob. And I had to run away because they talking about I was in the car with Nicki Minaj. <laughs> I had to back her up with that. Wolverine X Men Berserker Barrage. <laughs> Ran up on the other nigga, said, What's happening like I'm Raj? <laughs> yeah, this man, I hear freestyling, y'all. Thought I had a dodge, but it was a hodgepodge. <laughs> <laughs> A hodge, a hodge, hit me. He put up his dukes. I told him he had to put his hands down because, boy, you know you can't squad. <laughs> <laughs> boy, we back. We talking about that color money. <laughs> color money. The color of money, man. We left off talking about Christian Dawkins, the primary perpetrator in the new HBO documentary called The Scheme. What this documentary is about is the young man Christian Dawkins uh, was perpetrator number one, allegedly uh, the ringleader behind this massive Ponzi scheme to rig the NCAA. And the, and what what was the what was funny to me is. What was the point 
of paying off the coaches or getting the coaches to take the money. Because this is why he kept telling the guy that it doesn't make sense. Why am I paying the coaches? Now, if the guy really would have just said, I'm going to give you the money to get to the players. That makes more sense. That makes more sense. But giving the money to give to the coaches because basically Christian was saying what you're trying to do works against what these kids do when they go to college. Right, because the coach wants them to stay as long as forever. Yeah. And paying the coaches makes no sense because what are we paying the coaches for? It didn't make any sense. The kids want to go be one and done and go to go to the NBA. And go to the NBA to, to make money. Yeah. I mean, so what are we actually paying the coaches to do? Because they're already getting paid to coach. And the kids already at the school. And the coaches don't want the kids to leave. So I just, but if you look at it, everybody, everybody was using Christian except for Christian because the coaches was using Christian to get next to the players. Yeah, of course. The FBI and the FBI informant was using Christian to get next to quote unquote dirty coaches, and they wanted Rick Pitino. They wanted but Rick, I'm like, but I'm like, why don't you just do him like you do everybody else and just run up and and, and arrest him? Like they arrest black people all the time with no charges, felonious charges. I mean, my my, my thing is. None of this made sense to Christian. And not no. one time did he sit back and say, this don't, like, if it don't make sense, it don't make sense for a reason. Well, a bag full of money, it, it changes a lot of minds. Okay, so they putting them rack, they putting them, <laughs> they putting them rack A's in his face. <laughs> you see them, see them hundred racks. He ain't trying to hear nothing. Say the only, the only, the only white faith, faces that speak my language is them dead guys on them pieces of paper. No, that's right. <laughs> that's the only language they speak, and I understand. Yeah, but he kept saying it didn't make sense. I'm like, it don't. And he was like, man, let's just take their money. So then he came. So then he was like, you know what? Let's just take their money. Then they want to give us the money. I was trying to get y'all paid then because they stupid. That's basically what he kept saying. I'm, yeah. I'm gonna get y'all paid. They stupid. They want to waste money. We're just gonna take their money down. I mean, I think that to your point earlier, not being stupid, but I think this is where lack of character does come into play. Mm-hmm. Because you know, to catch a fish, you got to bait the hook. And one of your famous quotes, one of my all-time favorite quotes: "You knew it was a trap." But you wanted the cheese. But you wanted that cheese. The trap don't work if you ain't got no cheese. That's the only way it's gonna work. You got to want the. You got to want the cheese, brother. That's probably one of the realest things I've ever heard. Honestly, like real talk. That's one of the realest things I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> oh man, well, and and even think about this too. Think about all these uh, prepaid legal, um, Herbalife, uh, Noni Juice, juice. (laughs) uh, Prime America, uh, all these, listen, the only way this stuff has a chance of working on the average person is that they sell you on a bypass to getting rich. 
they they basically tell you if you follow these simple steps and invest in yourself, you are going to be rich. I'm like, if it was that easy, the economy would be worth nothing in the entire on the entire planet. If it was that easy, money would be useless. True. So clearly, it can't be just as easy as me investing in myself. Now listen, all you got to do is do this part-time and you'll become a millionaire. <laughs> on what planet can you become a millionaire part-time? In what world? But these people want to get be rich so bad and they want a shortcut. So if you think about it, and the guy I work with said something that was awesome. He said, people that sign up for this stuff, he said, they try to sell you on the fact that you want to do something with your life. He said, but in actuality, people that sign up for all those pyramid schemes actually have given up on life. Because what you're doing is, Oof. he said, because what you, Oof. he said, <laughs> goodness, he could have stopped right there. <laughs> I want to hear the rest. Well, I mean, he basically said that because what you're doing is you're trying to, it's like a last ditch effort. It's like a, it's a Hail it's Mary. Mary. It's like, I'm a, this right here is going to be it. And you got to think, most folks that do these things have failed before at the same thing. You failed at Noni mm -hmm. Juice. You failed at prepaid legal. You, I did prepaid legal. You know, I maybe got one or two checks in the mail. I was like, this ain't, <laughs> you feel me? One, yeah. one or two checks. I, I have made way more money than that. Side hustling, selling up. I was selling uh, Six Flags tickets. Mm. I was killing them. Six, I was, I'm talking about, I was killing, I came on a little lick, you know, had a little lick. Somebody got caught slipping, came up with a lick similar to them bricks. <laughs> <laughs> had them over there having fun. Listen, man, listen. I had actual Six Flags tickets, no expiration dates on them. And I got about a brick of them things. <laughs> Is that when you got the song Ballin' with a Brick of Man, two point two point two pounds of them things, man. Listen. Ballin' with some ticks a day. Ticks, listen, man. I was at six man, I went to Six Flags one day to meet my partners at Six Flags. And I'm out there and I'm just trying to listen, let me get some off while I walk in here. I pull up, I hop out. One person buy it, other person buy it. I turn around, I got 30 people behind me. Cause I'm selling my tickets for just a dub. So I got 20 people behind me, like, we want them. I'm looking like, goodness. <laughs> but how many tickets did you have? Oh, uh, I, I took about a brick. I took a brick of them. I, I took, I can't, y'all can't see it, but I took uh, yeah. this much. Two Big Mac sizes. You feel me? Just and them tickets paper paper thin. So paper matter thin. of fact, I'm gonna tell you how cold the game was. I took a brick of them things, gave some to some of my cousins, let them sell them. Now I made thousands of dollars. I was about to say because if you sell literally what twenty dollars, you sell five tickets. That's a hundred dollars. Listen, and, and I was and I was substitute teaching. So the, the teachers, the parents. Oh, oh dude, I'll tell you, I was it out. It felt like I was really selling. I was really trapping for real. When they say trap out the bag, you though, was the plug. I was the plug. He, he, was the, <laughs> he was the plug. I was trapping for real. So we had Six Flags, and um, 
They had some people say, "Damn them coke, damn them coke cans." Huh? Man, them coke cans wasn't nothing what I had. I had that real. I had that pure A one. It ain't, it, it ain't been stepped on. I'm on the phone with Poppy every night. Send some more. But look, I um. So they had some folks outside of Six Flags trying to catch people scalping tickets. Mm-hmm. And so I was getting them off. I was it was rolling. I was like, man, I'm about to make a quick five dollars for even walking to the spot. And a little kid came up and said, Hey man, they trying to get people. Look, I turned around, he showed me. I said, Dang, I said, good looking. Slip my little 20. I said, I got a gun. <laughs> 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 and I got on <laughs> and I went inside. I said, man, let me go on in here now, man. I was doing too much. I was getting greedy. But I went in there. Made it made about a quick uh, you know, four hundred, made about a quick four hundred, and then went on inside. Man. But yeah, them tickets. The good old days. Listen. Uh, them tickets, I ate out them tickets, man. I'm not lying to you, man. I ate out them tickets for mm, at least eight months. <laughs> Goodness. At least eight months, dog. I'm talking about I was getting them. No, no expiration dates, and it was an actual ticket. So, man. When people saw them things, they was like, "What? Let me get, let me get five. <laughs> no problem. I mean, it's a great, great deal. deal. I was killing them. It, and, and I'm pretty sure people were scalping them. Oh as well. man, listen. Then I had so many tickets, man. I really, if I knew you, I give them to even fifteen. So teachers at the schools, you know, I was subbing. So I was going from school to school. Oh, I was killing them. Y'all need <laughs> listen. I was killed. You had them coming, coming back. Listen, man. Them tickets. I ate off. I ate about eight months off them tickets, man. No lie. I'm talking about like I was balling with a with a tick a day. <laughs> they thought I was selling dope, man. <laughs> I had that. I had that white caprice with the with the vet engine in it too. Come on, man. They thought I was selling dope. What he do? I remember that Caprice. Kicking in those, man. What happened to all your cars? When I met you, bro, you had like four cars. Man, I just ended up selling them, man. You know, it's just too much to, you know, I had too many cars, man. I, you know, I would get them and then I would sell some and, you know, just, this was a fad, you know, I just grew out of it. What I wanted to talk a little bit about, um, since we talked about Christian Dawkins, um, I, and, and this definitely correlates to the topic of um, the color of money. How, on a scale from one to 10, what would you grade or rate yourself in terms of financial literacy? Mm, maybe about a six. I'd say the About same. Six. I definitely say the same. I'm 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 savvy enough to not get got, but I'm also savvy enough to not put myself in a position to get got, like you said, with a lot of the Ponzi schemes and angles and things like that. You do bring up insurance that um and I was thinking about that because to me I'm like, think about the concept of insurance, right? Definitely car insurance, home insurance. And and one thing that's always been funny to me is you cannot buy a home if you don't have home insurance. You cannot buy a car if you don't have car insurance. But you can have a life without health insurance. That's, that's that crazy. <clears throat> and people are actually fighting for folks in this country to have 
universal health. Now, to your point earlier, when we were talking about uh, profiting off of pain, definitely the pharmaceutical companies, definitely the insurance companies are two industries. I can't even say companies, mm-hmm. industries that come, come top of mind because think about it. Insurance is a Ponzi scheme. Now, I'm not saying it doesn't come through, but I'm saying it's a Ponzi scheme because the massive amounts of money that the populace dumps into the insurance conglomerate, no, we're not getting the payouts that we're putting in. Of course not. Not even, listen, man, you basically paying for something that might happen. The probability. You know, you I mean and and, and, and the and the possibility of something happening is is likely. I mean, because especially when you're young, uh you and I both know we were young men. We did a lot of pulled a lot of stunts, played a lot of sports, did a lot of crazy stuff. Um, definitely when you get older, if something pops off. Um, so the possibility of something happening is pretty significant. The probability of it being a catastrophe, I would not say that's probably that's, that's not high. Um, and I, I would imagine, you know, being underinsured, if not having no insurance at all, is problematic. So it's kind of sort of one of these things that we call a necessary evil. But, yeah, I, I do think it's, it's all set up on the probability scale, <clears throat> the likelihood of something happening, because folks could be paying into insurance for years. And, and the cold part is say probability hits you more than once, they're going to penalize you. They they either going to raise your rates or they're going to drop you. So it's a setup. Like, and you didn't, and you can't get your money and, back. And out of the game, years worth of money. And if something happens to me twice, it's a problem. And I, I don't know, it's, it's a setup. But you mentioned healthcare earlier. <laughs> it's funny. They don't care about healthcare because it's so much money in you not being healthy. It's so it's so much Facts. money in you not being well. I mean, you got to think. Think about just from a mental standpoint to go to a place. If you ask the average person, is fast food good for you? They're going to say no. Everybody agrees that fast food is, is harmful. Matter of fact, folks will agree it's bad for you, right? Facts, okay. facts. But that same person that agrees it's harmful for them will go there and eat multiple times a week. So even your even a person's mental state is compromised by going to get some fast food because you know it's something that's bad for you. You can make an excuse and say it's cheaper, it's convenient, I don't have time. All that, all that sounds good, but at the end of the day, you're literally acknowledging I'm putting something bad in my body. So that even feeds further into the fact that not only do they not health, care about health care, they don't care about health care for you to the point where I'm also going to surround you and make money on your way down. So <laughs> you're going to be descending, let's say, from the time you're 18 on down, 18 till whenever you die, and we're going to profit off of that the whole way. The entire the, way. The entire, so whatever complications you get, it's going to come in the form of appeal. You know, I watched that show, uh, My 600 Pound Life. And mm-hmm. I love that show because that show, it may be disgusting to a lot of people, but it actually lets you know what society really is. Society is each of those people on that bed 
or on that couch or sm- covered in gravy is that 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 is society because what these people say is and I told somebody you can't be a good person and become 800 pounds that involves no. you to be selfish that involves you to be greedy that involves you to be gluttonous, gluttonous. that involves you to to not to not care about those that care about you, like you have to be a bad person to become eight hundred pounds. And people will say, "How could you say that?" But think about what you're doing. It's collateral damage to everybody around you. So these, including, including yourself. yourself, okay. So you can't be a good person care if you don't you. care about so yourself. So these people literally are what society is. They say, "I want to indulge in everything bad for me," and. I want everybody else around me to pay for it. Now, eventually, you and I know they're going to pay for it. But here go the cold part. And all they're suffering, all they're going to do is just what? Make the folks around them suffer. They're going to make the folks around them take on their burden. So one dude, he mad at the doctor, but he like, listen, man, you ain't got 800 pounds of water weight. He's like, come on, man. He said, that's food. He said, you can't gain that much water weight. He was like, come on. You just you drown. The, the the one lady said, "Well, the places where I live at now close early." So doctor said, "So you live in a no salad zone?" He was like, "I don't get it." He's like, "Why can't you?" She was like, "Yeah, I, they don't serve salads." He said, "Listen," he said, "Don't patronize me." He said, "You eating?" He said, "The only way to get this size is to eat." But anyway, my point is, they're a reflection of society because everybody out there wants to do what they want to do and then not suffer the consequences. Because none of them people that get big are ever by themselves big. They're usually, they're usually no. big with a team of folks around them supporting all their foolishness. Yes, enabling, but also caring for them. Also putting up with them. Also bathing them. Also feeding them. Like It's a team of people around them basically catering to their foolishness. Yeah, and that's what agreed. I see society as. These people want to go out here and be reckless and then have us pay for it. <clears throat> I mean, that's what's happened with COVID-19. Yeah. And I, I, I think you, you, you said earlier, separating the wheat from the chaff. To me, that's also a depiction of society in the totality that the fact that none of the people that I know who are doing the things that they needed to do going into this were afraid going into this not afraid during it and I would even venture to say would be in a much better position coming out of this this is what I call right the universal principle of compound interest how you gain momentum over time so so, you know all the saying your prayers and taking your vitamins and believing in the power of Blanchett Mania going into it when you're coming out of it you literally, you know, Black yeah. Hogan or the Ultimate yeah. Warrior. You, you see what I'm saying? So now, and keep in mind, mentally, like you said, a lot of people aren't going to be able to recover from this. So when people are saying back to normal, I'm like, how? How, Sway? How, what, what normal will we be able to return to? Because like I said earlier, after all those tragic events or pivotal it changed events, the world, everything, everything changed. 
the way we moved. I mean, you and I go to, we've been to New Orleans after Katrina, post-Katrina. You can still see certain buildings that have not recovered. You see certain buildings with the water level line. The psyche of mm-hmm. the city has been changed forever. forever. The city has not recovered. No, the city hasn't. Not all Matter of fact, what's funny is not. the the turning point of the city is Katrina. Like you talk to people, they the reference is before Katrina, after Katrina. That's like two separate New Orleans. Like that's really what the people talk about because it changed the city forever. Yeah. And we're gonna Absolutely. be saying before Corona, after Corona. Like, you know, what I'm so this is gonna be the same thing. You know, it's and he, and here's my point. So I talked to you. Talk to Doucette, talk to Julian, talk to Rob, talk to Shelton. Um, trying to think of some other guys that I'm really close to that all about much healthy, do everything. Yeah, of course, I talk to my cousin. When I talk to y'all, I don't hear any kind of resonance of fear. I don't hear any fret. I don't hear any resistance. <laughs> I hear flow. I hear flow. I hear opportunity. I know with me, sometimes I really get excited because I'm already in play, right? Because I remember how I wasn't ready and braced for impact when 2008, Mm -hmm. 2009 hit. I got laid off in March of 2009 because of the economic crash. And I didn't get back to work until uh, that, that August. So I was out of work from March to August. And I ain't had no money in, in the bank like that. I didn't, you know. And I remember saying this time, because think about it, everything is cyclical, so what goes around comes around. So, And if you look at it, the market is always on a 17-year mm-hmm. cycle. And we passed that, right, because the crash literally happened in 2009. We're in 2020, so that's 11 years. So we mm-hmm. all, we we do past due, and the perfect storm yet presents itself again. Yeah, you know, but it's a perfect storm. But some of us had a great forecast because those CEOs stepped down. They knew the the bunkers, the the bunker occupancy went up. The CEOs stepped down, and you know, then we had the bunker op- occupancy went up. They some of them were shedding some of that that uh, stocks. Certain certain even people in the in the Senate were selling stocks, gun ownership and gun licenses and ownership and purchases mm-hmm. went through the roof. I didn't I didn't understand the toilet tissue thing. Well, I think people figured that there were going to be uh, again. This is the six hundred pound life syndrome. So what you do is you say. I'm going to get all the toilet paper I can just in case they run out. Well, if everybody does that, they're going to run out. It's just like, so that's, it's, it's just like just the mindset of people getting exposed. Like one guy thought his wife had it. So he kills his wife and he kills himself. I'm just like, you can say that's Corona. I'm going to just say he wanted to do, he's wanted a reason, but you know, look yeah, for a reason. He's looking for a reason. But to me, again, we talked about earlier, this is the great exposure, though, because 
you see people that are getting stressed. I talked to Battle the other day, and Battle was like, man, I feel good. Life is great. He said, he said I'm good. Life is he great. Said, I'm, I'm happy. And he was like, I don't know why everybody tripping. And the funny thing is, being optimistic is almost like threatening to people now. Like, if you're optimistic and not afraid of this, people are want you to be afraid. With, like, people want you to be fearful with them. And I said, I can't make myself afraid of the virus. You feel what I'm saying? I can't. I can't mm -hmm. make myself afraid of it. I can't. I can't make myself want to do stay in the house. I can't make myself. You know, y'all can't see it, but you know. I can't wear these masks. I can't make myself. I just, I don't, I just don't have a desire to do it. I'm going to live my life. <clears throat> and if, yeah. and if I get the, if I get Corona, then it's real. Let me tell y'all that now. If I get it, boy, that, that thing, <laughs> listen. It's formidable. If I get it, that thing ain't nothing to play with, boy, listen. <laughs> Man. So she's a bad one, it, huh? Boy, she ain't nothing to play with. All right, do you have any parting shots or are you ready to take this thing to the What to about the, the uh Elizabeth uh Yeah. Elizabeth Holmes? Did you No, nah, I that? didn't watch it, but I know the I didn't watch Blood the in Silicon Valley. The movie, but I know the Yeah, I know the whole her dad, sure. all, I know everything. Cuz I was just shocked at how much money was made off of a a lie. Well, well, no money was made. My bad. Yeah, no money was no, made, no, but no, the company yeah, was valued was at nine billion dollars. Oh yeah, oh, and yeah. that's a lot for a damn. Oh yeah, lie that nobody is. Yeah, yeah, a yeah. Portable lab. Yeah. But 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 if you want to be honest, that correlates to the valuation. Like we we're saying, the color of money, profiting off of pain. That directly ties to mm -hmm. the healthcare industry and the viability because think about all the money that you can save if I can have a portable lab. I don't have to schedule a doctor's appointment. I don't have to make that. I could go over here to CVS, let them prick my finger and yeah. tell me everything that's wrong with me. So something that innovative and something that revolutionary, I feel like if you or I would have came up with that, there would have been a lot more microscopes hanging over our head, a lot more magnifying glass, a lot more checks and balances, a lot more run the test again, a lot more who's on the staff, a lot more separating people and putting them in private rooms, a uh, lie detector test. Uh, if it was you or I doing it, it's a lot more red tape to go into something like this. Uh, it's just funny that she just basically lied. She just was, I mean, it's just like a lie. And falsifying the, the test didn't even work. It didn't even halfway, it didn't even halfway work. It no. didn't work at all. I mean, when I saw them things breaking the vials of blood inside the machine and you got glass and people walking around with these, I was like, uh, this is crazy. Everybody, everybody went, went along, along with, with it. it. So I'm like, you don't have that kind of leeway when you are a black person in America. You don't have that. You don't have the benefit of doubt. Nobody's on the benefit of doubt with you when it's millions at stake or billions at stake. These people are investing millions into her company with no proof. They're investing millions in her company with all kind of red flags. 
could you imagine? Hold on, we saw Christian Dawkins, right? He he didn't even get to a million. Mm-hmm. He didn't even get to five hundred thousand, and they shut him down. A whole operation, a whole sting operation, Facts. and he didn't make it to five hundred thousand. This chick gets to a company being worth nine billion, and she ain't even been on trial yet. She's about to go to trial. Yeah, and then you know that's probably gonna push back. Come on, man, that's gonna get pushed back. She's not going to prison. Her dad was a former VP of Enron, so so that kind of scamming and scheming runs in the family. All this stuff is. I'm just like, you just don't have that kind of leeway when you look like us. You just don't. People are not taking those kind of risks with you. They're not. They're not finna invest in you like that. They'll invest in you, but it's gonna call. It's gonna be hell to get that investment money. I want to see criminal records. I want to see your family. I want to spend time with. I mean, they want to do everything with you when you're talking about give you that money. They want they it all. Blood and your firstborn. And I also correlated the Christian Dawkins story to yes. Billy McFarlane. You know, we, we, we talked a little bit about before the break. Uh, Fire, Fire Fest. Which again, and if you look at these three individuals, Christian actually produced results because he was on the floor with high draft picks. Oh yeah, his, his talent was actually real. Like it actually manifested into something that was real. Oh, absolutely. So he did have a relationship with players. He did actually work for an agency. So, I mean, he did do things that were legitimate. Like he did understand know how to do these things. The problem is the enticement of the money made him push aside all of his, uh, not all of it, but basically the jug came out. Um, but these people, was scamming from the top, from the jump. They were scamming from the... They never had an actual tangible result of their actual hard work, blood, sweat, and tears, ingenuity, none of that. They were scam, scamming, flaming, flaming from the very beginning. Super facts. They were literally trying to build a bridge as they crossed. And Billy, I was watching a documentary on him, and I was thinking to myself... How did he think it was going to work? But then I thought about it. When hasn't it worked? Like, he's had this privilege his whole life. So it worked in middle school. It worked in high school. It worked in college. It worked post-grad. Why wouldn't a situation that had no way to work out wouldn't work out? So in his mind, he's thinking it has to work out somehow. It's going to work. And what the black dude tell him on the one document, I like the one on Hulu better. Uh, The the one on Hulu was better. But the black guy was like, he told him the first time he met him, do you think I can set a concert up on this island? The dude said, no, it's not going to happen. Because he knows he lives there. He knows what it's going to take. He knows everything involved. And he was like, it's not going to happen. This island is not going to support what you're trying to do. And he kept saying, it's not going to work. He said, I knew it wasn't going to work. But, you know, if you look at it, it's a point in the, in, the, in the show where it almost works. The only thing they have to do is not reference that the fact it, it was Pablo Escobar's island. I remember. You remember that part? Because 
that was the first oh, island that they the got. The very first and island. They worked it out. Yeah. Right. They worked it out and everything was cool. And they had to say, I'm thinking, why would you say that? Like, it doesn't make sense because you're on a fucking island in the, in the Caribbean, in the Bahamas. Beautiful. And think about it. You didn't even have to have it be that big. But when you've been getting by on the cheese, you know, because you, you, you've been getting by on the, Facts. remember the car he had? The car was useless, but it was heavy. Yeah. It was metal, remember? They're talking about when it hit the table, it clanged, it made loud enough. Yeah, the, the titan- titanium. So the titanium even car. the card, which was a useless card, even the card was all smoke and mirrors. It was loud and clangy. The guy, think about this. The guy invested in him with this card just because he's heard the card and said, what's that? Think about that. He saw the card. I'm like, these people got money, but they aren't that bright. That's how I, that's how I know that privilege no, plays a lot in these people being rich because they're not really savage, savvy business people. They're actually stupid. For you, for you all to invest in the people you all invest in is absolutely ridiculous. That's why most people that make money, they don't make money making savvy business moves. They make money off the interest of money that was already passed down. I was about to say, it ain't no, yeah, it ain't no, it ain't no, okay, I took a a grill and and turned it into an empire. No. Money was there. You had money. There there was interest off of that money that your family left you. You were able to invest in certain things. You know and I know. If I invest in 20 things, one or two going to hit. So I'm making a little money off them. And then, you know, but they're not really. Wait. Yeah, to your same point. They're not really savvy. I mean, think about it. These people have huge, huge, very profitable real estate mm-hmm. investments that get handed down. They do have pretty heavy uh, insurance policies mm-hmm. and life insurance policies, right? And they get that paid out. They they have, for the most part, most of them have someone in the family with a pretty mm-hmm. lucrative career where they're able to make some money over time. And they, the, 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 it, it's, it's a crazy when they when they try to give this whole spiel on the American dream. And the caveat is you can't be black. <laughs> and that's the only thing. Like, it works. Like, it works. When you look at other ethnicities, for some part, it works. But for a, 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 for a group of people... An ethnic group of people who have, who have been here for the from the beginning, from the beginning, and when you talk, and I'm like, it's crazy to me because they try to pass this off like black people aren't smart, we're not intelligent, we're uncouth, we don't have any scruples, we don't have any morals. I'm like, honestly, let's be realistic. When we all take the blinders off and we just read, like, I don't, you don't even have to say no names. You can just read the description of the ethnic group throughout the history of time. Which one is the most moral and which one is the most amoral? <laughs> well, we know who the who the most amoral is. I'm, I'm talking about, and guess what? They talk about Hitler. Leopold, killed more than all of them. I mean, Mussolini, Stalin, none of those guys are black. But we, we got to go get Pol Pot and Momar. Those are evil guys, but we don't talk about this American empire. 
that mowed down millions of people, indigenous people, and not just in this country, yeah. indigenous people in other countries. The Tuskegee experiment. And they wonder why black people don't trust the doctors of the healthcare system in America. Planned Parenthood, as you brought up last weekend. Eugenics. I'm like, it's a Ponzi, it's a Ponzi scheme. Ponzi scheme. <clears throat> and we're at the and bottom. we're at the bottom. And I would tell anybody black, if you ever get involved in anything illegal, if you do it with a person that is not black, you are the automatic scapegoat. Now, when all of you all are black, all of you all you say <laughs> so you the patsy. <laughs> every situation I see, if it's a black guy, remember in Goodfellas? I remember being a kid watching Goodfellas. And I'm like, the one black guy they dealing with. Remember the Samuel character? The one black guy they dealing mm-hmm. with, the, the, the one black guy that I'm like, dang, he get his head blown off. He wasn't listen. He lived in a raggedy apartment. He didn't go buy nothing. He did what y'all said, do. I mean, every he didn't do nothing. He did not deviate from the script. And the first scene the people they killed was him. They went into that apartment first and got rid of him. And I said, dang. But it's just a reflection of when you do business, especially illegal business, and you are the black person in this illegal endeavor, and everybody else around you does not look like you, just know you will be the one that everybody turns on. You will be the scapegoat. I'm telling you how I know I was in court and I was fighting for my life. (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean, you can look at the war on drugs. Now you're locking up a bunch of peddly nickel and diamond street 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 corner hustlers. If you really had a war on drugs, all you That's got to it. do is go to the ports. All you got to do is go to the borders. All you got to do is check That's all it. the crates, carts, and shipments that is coming in. I don't know any black people that own freighters, cargo planes, ships, planes, nothing, airports. Few black people may have a couple houses on the border. But Nothing. That's about it. We don't run no. Maybe there is no empire that we run. What empire do we run? What what empire do we run in this country? Nothing. We don't run nothing. We could have, but we don't. So that means that any crime you're getting involved in, there's going to be some level of where you're compromised because the powers that be are going to step in at some point. Just think about BMF. Yeah. Y'all, think about you making $600 million, $700 million, $800 million. You don't, think, you don't think the feds is watching all that money? You don't think, you don't think nobody's saying nothing? You, hold on, you, let me get this straight. You done made a billion dollars and you think talking on the phone and code is going to keep you safe. I, I just don't get it. <laughs> made off, made off got away with 500 billion think of Madoff got away with 500 billion dollars this is a Jewish man getting away with 500 billion dollars there is no way a black man can get up to a billion dollars illegally 
and not get jammed up. It is no way. Five hundred billion, he won't make it to a billion. A billion? I wouldn't even say. Well, I don't know. They said a few. Ricky Ross was getting to. I, I don't. I don't know. You know. I don't know. I don't know. But it, you, th- you you believe? Yeah, you believe you get, that that kind it, of money? in the eighties. In, in the eighties, yes. In the eighties, because that's when it was. Listen, man, these dudes is making. 80s. I talked to this dude. No, 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 no. Listen, I, I'm from Florida. I yes, I know about how the money was pouring in, but that's why I'm saying 500 million in the. Five, 80s. I think 500 million in the 80s would be easier to make in the 80s and the 90s and the 2000s, like that. So, so I think I would agree problem, with that. It's kind of like um, if you and I get into a, a, a noni, say noni juice. We were the first two guys in Atlanta to do noni juice. We gonna we gonna be rich off noni juice. So I think when, when Ricky yeah, Ross right. got into it, it was early when the crack epidemic actually hit. So I think it was kind of like it was so new to a lot of money was made. Now I'm not it may not have been a billion dollars, but I, I know he made over five. I mean, I'm not knocking I'm not knocking the money because my point is this: even say say for instance, he made fifty million dollars in the '80s. Fifty million dollars in the '80s is damn near two yeah. million dollars now. Because you have to equate yeah. that inflation over time with the interest that you would yeah. have made with that. So, money so this guy, time. they say he's making a hundred some, like a hundred some million dollars a month. And think about it; they call him Freeway Ricky Ross, <laughs> like because the money, because the you got to think the stuff is coming from he in LA, he's coming south. He the, he the plug for the rest of the for the country. Cause he talked, he talked, I talked to this dude face to face, and he was just talking about, but he also said the same person that bought him into the dope game was the same person that set him up. He said the same, he said, my friend is the same guy that he said, I didn't even want to sell dope. He said, the same guy that got, he said, but I was good at it. He said, I wanted to play tennis. He said, but I wasn't good at school. He said, I was a great tennis player though. And he said, but I couldn't go to college. So he said, what am I do? He said, my boy come to me, sell. he was selling dope. I was selling dope. He said, I was good. And he said, I took off. He said, I, he said, I, I took off so quickly to where, you know, it's, it's overwhelming when you've seen all that money. And, and the money is so, and you got to think about this too, Chris. In the 80s, that, that dope money was 24-7, that we're talking about every day, all day for about a all you got to do it. All so you got to do is say, my they advice. selling dope every day, all day for at least what 12 years. Think about that 12, 15, mm. like every day because the dope game it never stopped, it was a it was it, <clears throat> constant. Ain't no 24-7. 20 Matter of fact, when the money, when you got to get your re-up, you stress it. I need it re-up. So it was guys that got rich in the 80s. Now, guess what? A few of them got smart and got out the dope game and took that money and invested, did businesses and all that stuff. They did it. But most of the guys didn't. Most of them guys let that lifestyle get to their head and got and got jammed up. And, and back then when they wasn't snitching, they weren't telling. They were, they were sitting down for 20 years, 25 years, you know, but 
Or getting the head yeah. blown off. Or getting the head blown off. Or getting the head blown off. So, yeah, man. You, you heard you heard what my girl said oh, on yeah. that IG rant. They got sticks. Said, I don't see that gap. But we when got say it's politics when it comes to sticks. Y'all, <laughs> y'all want to... It's a glove. You want a brick. Come on, man. Ski mask glove when he wanted brick. Hey, hey, what that talking, man? I want it, man. Come on. Yeah, come on. Money when I'm talking money. Yeah. That's one of your favorite. Yeah, man. Albums, he, man. Spe- he, kept it, he kept it 100, man. It's politics. It's po- Think about that, man. It's he, politics he when it comes to sticks. <laughs> Ski mask and gloves. You want a brick. Come on, man. He tells the truth. <laughs> what you call that one? Up in the cut? Up in the trap? When you say they remind you of being oh, back in home the in the sack? Up in the pocket, man. Come on, man. Up in the I, pocket. There it is. I, listen, man. I seen it. And, and I seen guys. I remember a guy next door named Green Eyes. I'll never forget. I remember when he got arrested. My mom showed me in the paper. And he got he had 15 years, but he was young though, Chris. I you know what's crazy? I remember his age, man. He was like early 20s. I remember he was like 20-something, Chris. I remember this. And I was thinking to myself as a kid, I was like, it, it seemed like he was old because he was like in his 20s, but he really he was in his 20s. And, and you realize now how young. Yeah. I was a kid because you you were a kid. You were a kid, so your perspective you couldn't you couldn't you couldn't Listen, conceptualize man. twenty years. Because to you as a kid, twenty years if eight, you're in nine, your like ten. eight, seven, six, eight years old, twenty years. So old, so you got to think. So I'm like not eight, nine, ten, and this guy lived next door to us, but had two cars, had women, had a bunch of guys working for him. Uh, he was in the gang. I remember. One time, he's like, y'all don't see something? He popped the trunk open. AKs in there, Max, all kind of guns. I'm like, goodness. You know, and then one, and then one time, one of the, the, the dummies, <laughs> I remember this dude named Nunu, he pulls it out and points it at us. And, and Green Eyes got mad. I said, man, don't do that to them kids, man. He got mad. That same dude, Nunu, ended up paralyzed, getting shot. That same dude ended up in a wheelchair. I remember that. I, I remember they used to have shootouts coming over there trying to get him. Um, he had an El Camino with green eyes painted on the side, like had the motorcycle popping wheelies, all that buying us ice cream sandwiches from the ice cream truck. Listen, man, all that stuff was a dude next door, green eyes. And I remember he got locked up and got 15 years. And I was just thinking to myself, dang, 15. My mind can't even conceptualize. It, it should have said life. My mom, my mom said, look, who is that? I said, that's Green Eyes. Yeah. And it was like, and you got to think, too, this dude with dark skin, swole with a long curl and green eyes. So, you know, he was killing. He was, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He was killing the game. But respectful. He was the ultimate warrior. All the people in the neighborhood loved him, even though, you know, to them shootouts started happening. And then my little street after that, Turned into, you know, next thing you know, it started changing. And then it was, yeah, then you started looking. We started, Little next thing you know, it was three or four crack houses on the street and around the corner. You know, the neighborhood started to change, man. So by the time I was a teenager, it looked totally different. Then, you know, it was, it was a product of its environment. 
and I and, and I and I and I always the cautionary tale of the game, right? It's like your neighborhood, my neighborhood. We are literally polar opposite sides of the continental U.S. I'm in Sanford, Florida. You're in Sacramento, California, and this the the scenery could mm-hmm. be any different, but the story is the same. You had green eyes. We had Uncle Chipper. I had. My dad was in the game. My mom was in the game. My uncles was in the game. My brother was in the game. Everybody that I knew, mm-hmm. my, one of my best friends from childhood was in the game. I remember when he got in the game, I'm still, you know, wanting to play, you know, Sega Genesis and stuff like that. And all of a sudden, Dexter wasn't playing. Games he was in the game. He was in the game. All of a sudden, he, you know, riding around, man, in the, bro, in the game, in the game. And was booming. These guys are booming. I remember my brother going to my brother like uh help manage, quote unquote, this bar. Everybody from Sanford knows the deluxe bar. It's a landmark. The deluxe bar <clears throat> was around when my grandmother used to go up there to see mm. talent acts on the Chitlin circuit. My grandmother telling me stories about mm. going up to the deluxe bar seeing James Brown perform. The deluxe bar, when you would go, you pull up, and they had a little drive-through. It was on the other side of the tracks. Literally, you had to cross some train tracks to get into the parking lot. You pull up. You go in. You could literally walk in there. Now, they had the best one of the coldest setups of all time. You go in there. You didn't. You, you could get a mixed drink, but here's, here's, here's the thing. You go in there, you get a package. The package was whatever your liquor. It was a fifth of whatever you was drinking. Bunch so of brown. Bunch of brown. Cavassier, yeah. some crown. But, but bunch of brown stuff. You get a fifth of whatever you was drinking. Four cups. Four little solo cups. A baggie full of ice. And two chases. I had them Cokes. They had them Sprites. <laughs> no. They had them Cocoa Milks. I don't know if you ever had that Cocoa Milk. <laughs> A little, a little green can, a little green can that say Coco, K-O-K-O. And think about that. That I think that I think that whole setup might have mm-hmm. been $25, $30. That's a great deal. And you get your little table, you set up your little, you got your little setup. Think about that. You go in there and drop 30, 40 bucks. You got a fifth, two chasers, it's a good it's a baggie a, full it's of a good ice night. and some cups. You still yeah. Yeah, man, you straight for the night. Matter of fact, you can entertain now. I can, I can set up and I can entertain. And the DJ was live, and you had the first wave coming in. And like I said, my my brother was booming at the time, so I just show up, literally show up. Hey, what's up, little bean? Come on in. Boom, I walk in, I get ushered in, sit down up up top with my brother. And I remember one Christmas. It's a true story. I'm not gonna go into details. But true story. I come in there. I just finished, you know, leaving the Christmas party. I pull up, go in there, say what's up to my brother. Matter of fact, I, I got the picture to this day of that night. I sit down at the table. He brings a fifth of um, a fifth of hand, two chases, the cup, the whole little setup. And then he brings a girl over. And he was like, she wanted to meet you. I was like, okay, cool. What's up? Oh, this your Christmas present. She want to <laughs> go home with you tonight. <laughs> I was like... <laughs> <laughs> I was like, man, I'm good, bro. I'm good. Yeah, I don't boot mine. I don't boot mine, brother. 
I don't bump mine, but man, it, it it's crazy, like you're saying, like how over a period of time, and 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 you and I have very nostalgic memories of these places in this point in time, but we also saw the dark side of the game. Um, you start losing friends, yeah. and family, people getting locked up, people getting buried and killed. Yeah, yeah and, my and, cousin and that's JJ, a man, tale of that city, he um did 22 years. Uh, and it's funny that he was, he was like, he was rapping. It's funny because he was rapping, but he was like really living that life though. So, you know, and I remember they talked about his, his, in his mm -hmm. court case, they brought up his music because he was, his, the group was called CIN, Crime Incorporated. And, you know, they had scales on the table with money. And I'm like, oh, like it looks like when you were in court, all that stuff sounds good when you're doing it, but when you're in court, boy, you look crazy. You look, cr they like <laughs> literal they talk they, they because you're in there for that. So they're like, not only is he a criminal, but he's brazen enough to make an album. Yeah, so yeah, he did 22 he's years. And he's out now, you know, talking to the youth and he, he changed his life. But he was balling. He, I remember, I remember growing up with him. He stayed at my grandparents' house. He left. He moved down from Richmond, stayed with my grandparents because he had got in trouble in Richmond. And I remember his first week at SAC. You know, they jumped him. It's just it's the environments we live in. You know, he's from out of town. We in a blood neighborhood. You know, he ain't in no gangs, but they jumped him. Though it's just the nature of the beast. And it's messed up because I remember him at the table. We was all talking and my grandfather was getting on him. And then my grandfather left out of the room and he was like, man, what I'm going to do? He was like, and I felt sorry for him because I was like, he came down here to escape trouble. But the problem is you going from hood to hood, though. So that it's kind of like you're not escaping nothing. You're just going to another form of your environment. And I just thought it was terrible because it was just like, I was looking at him like, damn, he right. And he by himself. It's even so, worse because he's an unfamiliar You know, territory. they, oh, it was bad, man. So anyway, needs to say, he had to sink or swim. So he started swimming in a major way. BMWs and all that, you know, bricks, everything. <laughs> but, you know, it's, a, it's just tough, man. So in all... He sat down all 22. Did he do all 22? Sat down. Yeah. Goodness. He sat down so all 22. He was young when he went in. Imagine that, bro. Imagine that for a quick second. You in your 20s, and you get sat down for 22 years. Look at all the things that we've done from our 20s to our 40s, man. Just a... <clears throat> And you and I got partners. So just imagine to thirty, let alone forty. Just imagine what can I give us a say when we left college. Imagine us leaving college, getting locked up, and just getting out mm -hmm. around now. Like that, that's in, that's insane. Facts. Even though the last twenty been a blur, it we ain't been locked down. It though. is. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Bro, I got, I got, I got tapes and pictures. Yeah, we got, we tapes got and pictures, brother. It, it, but, it's been a blur, but we yeah, got man. proof. We've been there, and I, I'll never forget. We was um, over there. <laughs> my cousin, his brother, had to write 
you know, he ended up writing something to the parole board because he kept getting denied. But the, finally, my cousin wrote something to the parole board, and then one of the guys said, listen, all he got to do is show that he's sorry for what happened. They don't care about whether he's innocent or guilty. They care about whether he's sorry for the crime that was committed. He got to take himself out of the equation. Is he sorry for what happened? Two guys, empathy. Two guys, one guy's empathetic. Other guy made it, but two guys almost lost their life. So, off of potentially what they're saying that he did in retaliation to something. And next thing he told my he told my cousin that, and he got out after that. He told him he did it, and he got out. It's tough. Yeah. Man. Well, we running up on time. Um, do you want to just go ahead and close this session out? Or uh, shoot, man. We probably uh, this? close this one out. Um, yeah. We can come back uh, next week. Yeah, we can come back next week. It's almost no 1030. I'm getting tired. They yeah. take a lot. Yeah. yeah. These things do take, uh, emotionally, they take a lot out of you, don't they? Yeah, because normally when we decompress, shut down, I, I, yeah, I really do have to go like go sit down. I do, I do, I, I and I think um, it's the resonance, obviously, the power and the compassion that you and I share as friends, as brothers, as we are sharpening each other. And then you know, shout out to Lamar, uh, and Lamar Fernandez, man, Alf Zone, man, he put up on his IG and his Facebook. If you're not listening to In My Mind, Everybody Knows Chris or The Dirty Soapbox, I would say and The Dirty Soapbox, I question what you are doing. And if you want to find both of these podcasts, because Blanchard and I have our individual podcast, and I'm glad I get to collaborate with my brother on Two Kings in the Pod, you can find all of these episodes on Apple Podcasts. You can also find these on Spotify and also our near and dear platform. All right. Thank y'all. We'll see y'all next week.